Hi, I'm Shalene Bryan, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Well, hello. Welcome to The Slapcast. This is Shannon Lee, your host and executive director of Relay. This is episode eight. And if you've been hanging around Relay in the last 12 months, you are familiar with today's guests and therefore are in for a treat. But before I get to that, if you want to connect with us in between these podcasts, you can do so on all of the socials. We are founded at Relay Leadership. Please subscribe and share this podcast. You can find it anywhere podcasts are found. And if you'd like to reach out to us, to me directly, you can do so at slapcast at relayleadership.org. Now, listen, folks, I'm refreshed and restored. I just got back from a a week trip to Turks and Caicos. And let me tell you, those beaches, good Lord almighty, they are gorgeous. My husband, Christopher, and I were celebrating 10 years of marriage. Well, I mean, we're still celebrating it because we're still married. Um, But uh, let's face it, we beat the odds, actually. We are a blended family. Um, We finished raising our kids together, kids from previous relationships. We launched them into college and they're all thriving. Mission accomplished. Um, We've been empty nesters now for a couple of years and have no regrets. I often see parents of younger kids posting worrisome comments about how they don't want to see the year's end, almost like they want their kids to stay little forever. And I'm like why do you want your kids to stay dependent on you? Like it's some kind of mark of good parenting. I think parenting has changed from when I was, when I was younger. Um, I come from a different line of thinking, I guess I never looked at my kids and thought I'm raising a kid. I always thought like I'm raising a, a, an adult. Um, so I always felt like it was our job to kind of prepare them for the way versus preparing the way for them. Um, but The bottom line is we are really enjoying this time of life. We're enjoying no soccer games on the weekends, no scheduling nightmares with the exes, and no arguments over whose turn it is to pay the doctor bill. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Um, At any rate, um, make no mistake, though, we love our kids. We miss them um, not being around. They are wonderful, fantastic human beings. But we also really love our newfound autonomy. Um, My husband and I both had kids when we were really young, very early 20s. So we didn't really do the footloose and fancy free thing in our 20s. Um, Now, folks, we are going to live it up as much as we can. We're both in our 40s now, but don't be jealous. Uh, 90% of every weeknight, you're going to find us at home watching Netflix or HBO. So don't worry. (laughs) Um, We're usually discussing the ins and outs of of Game of Thrones right now, actually, because it's getting ready to start or it has started at this point when people hear this podcast, it will be several weeks in, I guess. Um, But we are are obsessed. So what's happened now is we rewatched the entire like the entire series and then we ran out before the new one started. And so what we did was we started watching YouTube videos for people commenting on what they think is going to happen in in series, you know, like the final series. This is how obsessed we are with Game of Thrones. Um that's not really related to today's guest, but somehow I got there. So moving on. Today's guest I met about two years ago through Scott and Cindy Monroe of 31 Gifts. Um, if, if you all remember, Scott was on the podcast several weeks ago. He actually introduced me to today's guest um, and he introduced me because he thought that she would be a great guest for the podcast, but he also thought she would be a great speaker for us. And she actually was our speaker. She was our speaker for Impact Columbus and her name is Shalene Brian, and we're going to get ready to talk to her. She is the founder of skipone.org, and um, that is a nonprofit dedicated to helping 
both kids here in America and abroad with everything from, you know, a safe place to go to school, clean running water, just all kinds of stuff. And you're going to hear a little bit more about that on the Slapcast. She's going to talk about stuff like leadership, her journey. She's even going to talk about, you know, the greatest and worst advice she's ever gotten as a leader. And she's going to talk about what life-giving leadership is. So I'm really excited for you to hear from Shalene Bryan. All right, so hello, Shalene. I'm so glad that you're on the Slapcast today. It's so good to talk with you once again. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Last time I saw you, we were in Ohio. I know. We were in Ohio and the weather was turning cold and now it is turning warm again. I am so pumped. I love it. I cannot tell you. And of course, I'm in California, so it's always warm here. It was so fun visiting Ohio and getting to feel the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. (laughs) I seriously, so my husband and I talk all the time about moving somewhere where it's warm all the time. And I'm wondering, is San Diego, like, is it 75 there all the time? Do you know? It's San Diego's beautiful, but I mean, in the evenings we get down, you know, into the fifties and sixties. Um, so at nighttime we like to bring out our jackets in California and pretend <laughs> like, you know, it's cold here. Um, but it, it's fun. I mean, we just, the weather's amazing in the sun and, um, that's why we pay for sun tax over here. Oh yes. <laughs> well, all I have to do is give my husband the word and say, okay, I'm done with Ohio. And he would pick up and move in a heartbeat to someplace wow. that's closer to a beach. So my next task over the next 10 years is to create a relay chapter in a warm, sunny state. So that might, that might be on the horizon. I don't know. I have to ask God (laughs) about that. Um, anyway, so thanks again. I know. So thank you so much again. The slap cast is all about living out servant leadership values. This is sort of loosely our theme. Of course it can go a thousand different directions. I thought of you for the show because your life is quite literally servant leadership in action. And and of course, that's my opinion. And I share that with you because when I think of you and when I look at your work and the trajectory of your career and your work in the global community, really, it really is. It's it's literally servant leadership in action. So to help our audience, because a bunch of our folks were there in October when you were the keynote at Impact Columbus. Yes. But, but for folks who don't know, can you take us back just a little bit? Tell us about your life um, and what brought you into this work. <laughs> yeah. Goes, just a little bit. Just, Tell us your life. Just a little bit. Elementary real quick. school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Think, think Reader's yeah. Digest version. No, we, we have no time yeah. limit here. Um, the, so the, the floor is yours. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, for me, like personally, I mean, I think when I, my life shifted um, and I got more into servant leadership because I wasn't always like that. Um, I was very much about what can you do for me? Uh, you know, I was a typical, you know, teenager, young entrepreneur in my twenties. Um, but when I took a trip in 2003 to Africa, to Uganda, actually, to see if the two kids that we were sponsoring through um, a charity were where my 38 bucks a month was going, because um, <laughs> I was challenged by a lady, um, 
I flew there unannounced, like I was Diane Sawyer, and I show up in this little village called Gaba in East Africa. My husband got sick. He couldn't join me, and I went anyway because I was on a mission, you know, I'm Italian. And so like this woman poked me (laughs) um, (laughs) when she challenged me about what I thought I was teaching my children about these two kids living in Africa that, you know, didn't have anything. To be honest, I didn't know what it was like for a kid living in Africa who didn't have anything. Uh, It just sounded important. And it sounded like something as a young mom that I wanted at the time to teach my children. And so God took me on this adventure. He's like, oh, you're going to find out. All right. So I showed up in this village after flying in coach, I mean, all the way to Africa, I just use your points, people like just don't <laughs> do it. So I, I show up and I'm a little cranky. Um, <laughs> talk about hangry when we don't eat. Well, I was cranky and I'm, and I said, hi, I'm from America. And I came to meet my two children, you know, AR212 and GR479, like where are these kids? <laughs> and this gracious woman, she goes, follow me. And she hikes me like I left my group, like everything Bear Grill says not to do on the Travel <laughs> Channel. I leave all these people I barely know. I hike, uh, look like a backlot of a movie set. And my background is I was a former um, Hollywood producer, started out interning um, in the business at the Barbara Cameron Agency, um, who's obviously Kurt Cameron and Candace Cameron's mom. And I was only 21 at the time when I did my internship, which I recommend any and everybody who's interested in area to intern somewhere for free Mm -hmm. because it lets you know quickly if you like it and it connects you quickly with people who have real estate in that space. And at 21, I didn't realize that, but um, it's interesting now to see my son, who's a senior in college at Baylor, interning for a congressman because he's interested, Congressman Flores there in Waco, because he's interested in going into politics. And I thought, oh, look, Bryce, that worked out good. Like our son's interning. <laughs> Jonathan just did a fist pump because his last name was Flores. Is that the only reason you did the fist pump? <laughs> I, no, I, I said it out loud for Jonathan. Yes. You know what I mean? I just figured, how, do, how could I throw his name in this slap gap? And I'm like, you I don't do? know anything about politics. Come on. <laughs> um, so yeah, vote for Flores, baby. So it was, it was so great because, um, When I showed up in this village in East Africa in 2003, my kids were so little and um, I was alone and I was out of my comfort zone. And I think that we need to start getting comfortable as leaders with being uncomfortable. And no one had ever told me that before. I always thought, you know, I was raised with a sniper uh, for a dad on the SWAT team. I mean, he'd set the fire alarm off at two in the morning. I throw my baby sister out the second floor window into the swimming pool. I jump in after her and we'd stand on the mark. And my dad's like, if there's a fire, this is what you do. And so we were raised to be these safety girls. Um, my dad wasn't a godly man, but he was a safety man, you know? And so here I am in Africa, which he totally disagreed with me going. And, um, I'm traveling though with the King of the universe. Yeah. For me, I have a relationship with God. So I'm like, he's letting me breathe. So, you know, until it's my expiration date, try to kill me, you know, so I'm, I'm going. <laughs> but I realize as people in business and leaders, especially, you know, the amazing talented leaders I met at um, Relay for Life, at the, the conference that I was speaking at, that breakfast, was that leaders do it scared. It, it's like, it's not if you're waiting until you're not scared. No, no, no. Leaders do it scared. And... 
once you realize that anything you're about to do as a leader, if you're freaking out, yep, that's right. Yep. Go right ahead now. You're probably where you should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because it, it allows you to depend on your team and people around you. It also, um, gives you a posture of humility. And I believe the verse that God says, I will elevate the humble, but I'm going to suppress the proud. Because to be honest, the only thing that's different between humility and humiliation is humility. You humbly bow yourself there. Humiliation, you're going to trip and fall your butt there, but God's going to get you there one way or the other. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're going to get down. You're going to get low. I've experienced both. And, um, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. I like doing it myself <laughs> in the trip show. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think the older I get, the more I realize that humility wins. And being the loudest person in the room, the most liked person in the room, the most knowledgeable room person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Well, you so, said something. Go ahead, please. So, so to wrap up the Africa story, I, I did get to meet my kids and I did a TED talk on it. So your listeners can go watch it if they want. But she was real. Omega was real. Um, our son, Alonise over there was real. Um I asked her when I met my little daughter, Omega, in her mud hut with a sheet for a front door, I go inside this little hut. There was no running water, no electricity, nothing, right? It wasn't a house. It was like the size of my walk-in closet. And this little girl, she goes, Mzungu, which means white, and she hugs me. <laughs> I didn't know that, though. You know, I'm thinking she's saying angel, like this white girl just dropped from the sky. And I said, Omega, I'm Shalene. She goes, I know. And as I was holding her, my eye catches the Christmas card photo of my family embedded in her mud wall. Like she was getting my mail and I'm like, honey, I'll get you anything because I have an American <laughs> Express card. Like I was, I was so overwhelmed. She goes, I'd love a bed. And I'm thinking, where's Target jungle out here? You know, <laughs> awesome. so I, I took her into Kampala and I got to buy her bed sheets and mosquito net for the malaria blanket and a pair of shoes for $20. And I'm like, we're all Oprah over here. Like, you know, who wants a bed? I went back and did a HGTV design on a dime to her whole village. I passed out beds to everybody. <laughs> but the reality was, is that trip, um, it took me out of my comfort zone, but it brought me face to face with compassion. And that is when my husband and I decided to start a skip1.org, our charity, our 501c3. Skip one thing once in your life for the sake of someone else. Skip one, skip something, feed a child. And so we're building kitchens and putting in wells at orphanages and schools here in America and around the world. Um, so kids can have lunch every day because you skipped a Subway sandwich or you skipped a latte today and you donated it at skip1.org, you know? So it's been fun. You know, we're 10 years old this year. September 1st will be 10. Wow. And it's amazing to think that over 10 years, um, the lives of people that I thought I was going to help that ended up helping me. What do you know how many kids have been sponsored in those 10 years? Like a well, it's, not, it's not sponsorship. I mean, the sponsorship was through compassion. I worked very closely with compassion. Oh, we've sponsored tens of thousands of kids. I point people to them all the time, but we build kitchens at a lot of the villages and orphanages that uh, compassion is involved with. Skip one is much smaller than a gotcha. big international, you know, 
billion dollar, you know, industry. But what's amazing is um, at skipone.org, we give away 100% of all public donations goes to the acquisition and distribution of food and water projects. So I actually have two bank accounts. One is my seed money account um, that friends and family, um, they they donate to. So if I have to take a trip or I have to buy paper clips or to update our website, and then we have our public donation bank account that is attached to our website. If you go to skip one and it's the number one, it's not O N E it's mm-hmm. skip one.org. And you click on the donate button. It'll say, what are you skipping today? And you can say a bad day, $10, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does, it makes you feel good when you do something, but you can say, I'm skipping a, a, a latte or a pack of gum and you donate the amount. The amounts are relevant. Because it's like when thousands of people are doing this, you can do lots of things. And 100% of all public donations goes to these food and water projects um, that we are involved with. So it's been really fun watching and reading people's skips. It's like so encouraging. That is amazing. And I think the skip1.org mission really does relate to that um, that quote that you said, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now, Yes, we could easily argue that is it really that uncomfortable for me to skip my Starbucks, you know, a few times a month? No. Um, But to your point, that idea of getting comfortable with discomfort or getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, that is not only related to community work and work abroad, but in general to leadership. I mean, one of the things and and I think you kind of alluded to this, that in your role, you know, you are in a leadership role and there are many people listening who are in leadership roles. And what I find is I thought when I was trying to become a leader in my younger years, what I thought was that I would be happier, more content and life would be less ambiguous, right? I would have more answers. I would be, I would have it more together And what I have found is the opposite (laughs) has been true. Like the further I get into leadership and the more that I, the more work that I do with Relay um, in my own life, life becomes more ambiguous, more uncomfortable. And the difference is, is my tolerance for that discomfort and for that ambiguity seems to be increasing, which I'm glad for because there's only so much, you know, there's only so much ambiguity we can handle, right? We, we are creatures of desire. We are creatures of, you know, many of us, the path of least resistance, right? We want to avoid pain. And so that sure. tendency to avoid pain sometimes keeps us from helping people and also keeps us from growth because sometimes, I don't know about you, but for me, pain has been like the best teacher. <laughs> I wish that wasn't true, honestly. Um, but it has been a great teacher. Now I don't want to create pain for myself, but life brings just naturally plenty of pain that teaches me things. And that's why I love so much what you've said about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And what that means to me is my tolerance for that ambiguity and for that discomfort begins to, you know, increase a little bit. Um, yeah. So thinking- and I believe it's a, I believe it's a muscle too, you know, the brain's a muscle. And so as you're doing things opposite of what you would normally do, right, it grows that muscle. It's just like, you know, if you work out and you do sit-ups, yeah, there are abs under there. I don't care how old you are or, you know what I mean? There are. And if you eat clean and you do that, you will see the muscle under there. And so that's why I love the verse in the Bible that talks about how 
we're in a race. I mean, I'm running a race. It doesn't say I'm sitting in a lazy boy chair. Well, have you watched people in races? I mean, you know, I mean, Jonathan was just talking about the, the 5k he does for that hangry, you know, to raise money for people. It's like those people in a race, they're beat up, bloody bruised, the training for a race sucks. I mean, it's there's when you're done, you're thrilled, but when you're in the race, there's nothing like beautiful about it. And you know what's amazing when people are in a race, they don't have time to argue, complain, um, because you got to use your energy to finish the race. That's so true. That is like, so true. I feel like when people are so busy complaining and arguing, I'm like, you need to move, get up and move. You, you've been sitting still for way too long. You got, if you got a list of stuff, you need to go over with me. Or like, I like to say they need more to do. <laughs> That matters, right? Yeah. Because like, if you're in a race, um, you trained for that race. You don't just hop in a marathon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to break something. So you prepare for that and you, you put it into action and then, you know, the day comes and you put on the number and, and you, and you go for it. But it, I know, man, it's funny. I, I'm more of a tennis girl, but it is interesting <laughs> that, that God in the Bible even uses that run the race set before you fixing your eyes on me. And I think that we need to look up more than we look out because, um, God is in the victory business and he created the people that are listening to this right now. He knows the gifts and the talents that they have, and he would love to multiply it if we trust him. Well, and I love the idea of the, of a race because for me, maybe not for Jonathan, but for me, a 5k is a struggle. Um, I've done three or four or five K's in my life and every single one of them, I was hating life the entire time. Like it was definitely effort against resistance, which is the definition of work. And so, um, I like to actually hear about what people struggle with in their lives, because I think there's so much to be gained from that. And especially in this day and age with social media, and I'm not trying to boohoo social media, right? We use social media to promote our organization, to promote our programs, but When I mention social media in a negative sense, what I mean is we tend to get sanitized versions of one another's lives on social media, right? Because we're posting the highlight reel. And so when I talk to people um, face-to-face and now on this podcast, I like to talk a little bit about the things that we've experienced that we've learned the most from, which for many of us have been our struggles. And so I'm curious, you know, you've shared a lot about your journey with us how you were before, you know, what brought you and your husband to start this organization, skipone.org, this amazing experience that you had in Africa and the result there, by the way, you know, we're still writing letters to our, our, our kid in Africa. We, I love it. Yay! And I always, I always picture my letters on their, the wall of wherever they're living because of your story. Yeah, you like, like I can really visualize it. Um, yeah. but I'm curious when was a time during that time period that you most doubted yourself and this work that you're doing and you know, kind of break that down for us. What happened and how did you get out of that self-doubt enough to pull yourself to that next level to kind of move forward? I think that self-doubt and all of that is just stinking thinking. I mean, I know we all do it, but we need to be renewing our mind. And I think it's so important as leaders that we control the high ground. I mean, even a SEAL team or the Army, if they come in, you know, Bunker Hill or whatever, they're going to try to take the high ground because they're going to have the advantage. And I think as leaders, we need to control the high ground. And the highest ground on us, on our body, is our head. And 
even the devil has to ask God permission to mess with you, right? But I can wake up and I can speak 5,000 words to myself a day. You suck. That's not going to work. You, you didn't eat good today. You didn't work out. You're, you know, you, you had a bad temper. You know, you're not, you're not bringing any new stuff into the, into the company. And, and you can, and you never say these things out loud, but you're saying them. Mm-hmm. And we have to control the high ground um, because you will steer where you stare. How, how best do you do that? How do you control that high ground for yourself? I renew my mind. Like the Bible says, I got to be in God's word. I got to put on a piece of gospel music. I got to, I got to, I got to get my jam on in the morning. <laughs> um, and so when I go for a walk in the morning, I'm taking a prayer walk and I'm just calling it out. I'm just claiming it because when you take those thoughts captive and you replace it, the only way you cannot think of a pink elephant is to think of something different, right? So it's like, you've got to be able to replace it. And so it, it's called renewing your mind and you throw off that negative thought to put on a positive one. And it's a choice. Just like if you choose to eat the chicken and broccoli instead of the mac and cheese plate, mm. you're making a choice. No one's going to have a gun to your head. God's a creator. He's not a duplicator. He wants to give you free will to make decisions. But when I make those decisions, decisions in a line with his word, the Bible, uh, things seem to go better for me than when I try to have the plan. I try to have it work out. Um, yeah, things don't work out too well. I, I love the idea about replacing the thought with a different one. Um, a lot of the work that we do at Relay has to do with it's professional development, but we do a lot of work with folks on personal development. And one of the biggest questions we get, um, around this idea of, um, bringing our thoughts captive, right? Is, well, how exactly do I do that? Because when I was brought up in, in faith, you know, it was more about like, don't think about this. Don't think about that. But actually the Bible says, think on these things. In other words, move your attention to these things. Like it's almost like a go. It's like an instruction to go do versus to stop. And when I think about raising my kids and how effective it was to tell them to stop doing something versus telling them to start doing something, it was always more effective to tell them to go do something versus, you know, stop teasing your sister versus go play, go play with this. And so that, that has been so helpful for me and that I didn't really connect that dot for my own self until like even just maybe four or five years ago, I've, I was white knuckling my way through my thought process where I was trying not to think the things that were bringing me down, trying not to have those, those negative conversations with myself. I was trying to stop them versus replacing them with something else, you know, versus like moving forward with something. So I can, so I can so identify with that. Because the reality is, is I'm not the job I work or the car I drive or the house I live in or the clothes I wear or the people I know, right? Those things are going to self-destruct. My identity is found in Christ. And so when I take what he's saying and I put on whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is just, dwell on such things, is it praiseworthy? And so when I go through that list, basically that verse you were just sharing earlier, um, is it true? Is it lovely? Is it praiseworthy? praiseworthy? Is it gracious? I mean, and then I make a decision on how I'm going to speak into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is so good. I, I can so appreciate that. Um, now in your life, you're doing what a lot of our listeners are doing either locally or want to be doing. I, I'm one of the wannabes. Um, and what I mean by that is write books and speak to audiences. Now, to me, there's a difference between saying something and having something to say right? There's a lot of people who are saying things, but some of it's just regurgitation. And I know there's nothing new under the sun, but 
some people just have a way of saying something that they really have something to say and it's super unique and you're one of those people. So I want to, I want to kind of digress here a little bit and just speak a little bit to any advice you might give people who are really, who feel like they have something to say and they want to step out and say it. Like, what kind of advice can you give them? And this is not specific, like, how do you get an audience and how do you get speaking gigs? That's not what I mean. What I mean is what's the best advice you can give someone who feels like they have something to say and wants to step out and start creating audiences around that? What's the best thing you could tell them to do or to start thinking about? Well, I'm just going to be stealing this from Nike. Just do it. Right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I love so it. There's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> I feel like you are such the perfect example of that. You're not a wannabe at all. What are you talking about? I'm on your podcast. <laughs> there's nothing you want to be about that. And Jonathan's there producing it going, hey, who am I? I'm content here. The thing is, is I feel like people put... Um, give weight to something because of the amount of people and yet that, that listen or watch or follow, right? Which is so fake to me because Jesus, who was the, the son of the king of the universe, his only son, who he sends to earth, right? Mark ten forty five. for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that means you and me, had 12 dudes following him around. Yeah. 12 dudes. I mean, I mean, he didn't really have a big podcast. He wasn't like the guy that was blowing up social media. You know what I mean? And, and we all know what Judas was doing there. You know what I mean? Hello. Oh and so it's like, it's interesting to me how when we have wrong thinking and we're not measuring our thoughts, we can easily get sucked into what the world says is you're doing something. No, if one person, if the three of us right now feel encouraged by what we just did today, amen, man. It's not about that. It's about, for me, I want to splash people. And that's, we have a podcast too, as you know, called Splash. Mm -hmm. And it's like, People get dehydrated a little bit and they just need a little love and, and splash them with a little love encouragement so that they can greet the day, you know, and it's not about your followers. If you have something to say and you were to hide that, shame on you because your neighbor might benefit the chick at the grocery store, the, your coworker, the, the person that you're in carpool with at school, dropping your kid off. It's like, say it. If you have something to say, say it, don't worry who it was meant for. But I feel like burying a talent or a word or a wisdom, like shame on us as leaders, especially like you don't get to bury that. And we all know what Jesus did when uh, the the parable in there, when he gave the talents, right? Yeah. The one dude, the landlord gave the talent to the one guy, he buried it. The other one doubled it. The other one freaking turned into Apple, right? It was a Mac problem. (laughs) (laughs) He comes back. He comes back and the first guy goes, he goes, where's my money? And he goes, here it is. I know you're such a shrewd businessman, so I didn't want to lose any of it. So here it is. And he goes, you idiot. You could have at least put it in the bank and made a little interest. Right? Yeah. In other words, you could have at least shared it with one person, two people, and made a little interest on it. The second guy, so he takes it away from him and gives it and takes it back. And then he looks at the second guy and he goes, I doubled it for you. And he's like, well, that's, that's pretty good, but I'm still taking it from you because homie over here is Apple now. So I'm giving everything to him. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, it's, it's multiply wherever you are. 
Sometimes it's husbands that need to be the leaders in their home and speak a loving word of encouragement to their wives before they go blow it up as CEO in the office. It's like, yeah, you're getting an A at at the office, but you're getting a D at home, right? (laughs) So it's like maybe switching that a little bit. It's not the size of the audience. It's what you're, you're offering. That Mm -hmm. affirmation and those words of encouragement, we want to be life-giving leaders. That's such a great lead in. It's almost like I planned it. (laughs) You talked about that very thing. Um, For for the audience that doesn't know, when, when we have events, there's the day of the event, but then there's the night before the event. And the night before the event, we hold a special reception for our speaker. And of course, this last fall, that was for you. Thank you. And we call it the speaker's reception. And you spoke for just a few minutes to the folks there in this private reception about that very thing. Um, it actually was an acronym pertaining to life-giving leadership. Can you share that? Uh, I know I'm saying again, (laughs) quickly, you don't don't have to share it quickly, but can you break down that acronym and share with our audience what you talked about? Because that was so powerful for me. Yeah. I mean, we do an acronym here at our team saying, if you want to get it right, you got to go left and left and left stands for love, effort, focus, toughness. Um, you got to love your team. You got to love who you're working for, not because they're lovely all the time or you're lovely all the time, but that loves an action. You're going to be there for them. And then the effort, put in the effort, you know, you're not going to lose weight eating, you know, ho-hos on the treadmill. It's not going to happen. You got to put the effort in. But I think sometimes we get, I know, I know I've tried it. This is why I know this. Um, The focus, it's like, what are you focused on? You can't be all things to all people, right? Mm -hmm. We got to focus on staying in our lane so that the other people can be in their lane and we don't create a car accident. Um, People need to stay in their lane focus and then toughness, you know, and, and I'm saying this, I think a little more for women and I, and I'm saying this in love for your listeners, but suck it up, buttercup. We don't want to see you cry. Like, just come on, like have your Hulu and I cry. So don't get me wrong, but have your Hulu hoop of friends that you share that with, but don't come in a board meeting with your emotion all over the place. Get tough. If you're going to lead or don't be the leader, that's okay. Do another job and grab your Kleenex and cry yourself to bed every night. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not there's you just described 2018. Tears. How'd you know that? <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with tears. I don't misunderstand that. Yeah. I cry. Believe me. Ask my husband. But it's, it, there's a time for things. Yeah. And as a leader, there's a time for you to stand tall and tough enough. And when our team, we're loving each other with left, love, effort, focus, toughness, you can be a life-giving leader. Not just a leader with the title. Nobody cares. Yeah. You you could have the title, but if nobody's following you, you're not the leader anyway. Yeah. You know, when I first stepped into this role, um, I went to a gentleman who's uh, several, maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 years older than me. He's been an executive director for a long time for several different organizations. And I went to him and said, what are 10 things you think I should know as I step into this new leadership role. And one of the key things he told me, Shaleen, which is so interesting that you mentioned about with and pertains to toughness here. He said, don't expect your board to care about you. Now, what he didn't mean was your board won't care about you because my board does care about me. Mm-hmm. But his point was that if you're having a struggle 
like those crying days where you're crying yourself to sleep. That is not for your board. That is for your posse, your inner circle. And process that with the right people. He said so many executive directors make the mistake of turning to their board. Or if you're a for-profit company, maybe your, you know, executive team, whatever, turning to them to emotionally process things with you that you're going through as a leader. And that is not their job. And in fact, while I do believe in appropriate vulnerability with your board, with your leadership team, et cetera, I think when you're having your darkest moment, your most difficult moment, that you have to have what I call perceptive trust. There's only so many people. I love that idea of your, your hula hoop. Um, the people inside that hula hoop are the ones that not only that you can trust with that, but who their belief in you is unfettered by that. Like they see this as part of your process versus right. they're, they're not seeing it as, Oh, Oh no, they're Shannon's, you know, leadership is waning or whatever. Instead, they're actually clapping because they're saying, yes, this is exactly what you need to be going through right now. And finding that group of friends and confidants is super important. And I'm so glad he told me that because I might've made that mistake. I might've made that mistake. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true because the, you need to stay in your lane. Your board is not your kumbaya people. I mean, that's just, they're not, you know what I mean? It's like, you're going to them because you guys are on task for mission and the things you're doing and the ethos and culture of the company and what you guys are, are running the race for. It's not for you to talk about your personal stuff. It just, it just isn't. And I think that when we stay in our lane, it doesn't blur those relationships. Like I have my friends and I consider board members friends of mine, but I don't share like I do with my hula hoop friends. Yeah. It took me 46 years to learn that. That's okay. (laughs) Um, before we go, I really want to make sure you've, you've mentioned skip1.org already. And yeah. again, the one is a number one, not O-N-E. Yep. I want to make sure we connect our audience to you and to skip1.org. Is there something specific you want to tell them beyond the website? Is there something you'd like to ask them to do or um, any current initiative that you want us to know about? No, I mean, for me, it's just, I believe we all can skip something. And I think we can also start teaching our kids at a young age to... It's dangerous when we take our off the poor because we think living in America is normal and there's nothing normal about the way we live. 1% of the world gets to live the way we do and the rest of the planet is living on less than $2 a day. So our water comes in 15 different flavors and they're trying to find water where animals are bathing and crapping, you know? So when you skip something, you are making a difference in the life of a child. And that might be doing it in your community. It doesn't have to necessarily be through skip1.org, but do something because doing nothing just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for that. And I need to be reminded of that all the time. Every once in a while I'll start saying, oh, and you've heard of the Marie Kondo, right? Of the whole like simplify. Jonathan's a minimalist himself. So like literally, (laughs) no, seriously, he's a minimalist. He got connected with, was it the minimalists you got connected with? I actually met them at a conference. Did I tell you that several years ago? Is that those little homes? Like you got the little house thing going on? He doesn't have a little house, but he's been talking about getting one. They sold their house. They had a big house and they sold it. They're living in an apartment right now, but awesome. People like Jonathan, like you are such a great reminder to me. I don't need another thing. I don't need, um, you know, I like things. I like shoes and, you know, clothes and stuff like that. 
when I think about my discretionary income, my disposable income, I'm starting, thankfully, maybe it's just age, I don't know, to think more about, okay, I have this money left over after I've you know, paid my bills and, and given something to my church. What else do I want? What other good can I create with this? Um, that same gentleman who I went to for advice as a new executive director, he says this, he says, money comes to your life, not to you, but through you. And whether it's money or time, your resources, however, whatever you have discretionary amounts of, like to start thinking what can go through you versus just to you. And I've been thinking about that more, um, you know, more critically for myself, because I want to make sure that the money and the time and the resource that come to my life, that they actually flow through my life. And I really believe that skipone.org is one of the greatest organizations that people could consider to allow any of their resources to flow through. Um, if you go, Thank you. if you go to the website, you could see, I mean, I love the inspirational videos of the events that you hold all over the place. I have one quick question that before we go, I have yeah. to know, what did it feel like in front of that huge audience? When we were, when we last saw each other, you were getting ready, I think that weekend to go to a stadium of, what was it? Yeah, 70,000 people. That's yeah, insane. It was called together. It was insane. It was so, you know, you can't tell that there's that many people there. When it gets that many people, it just sort of you know, all blends together, but the energy is something I will never, ever forget. And, um, I would have said until just Saturday, April 6th, that that was the most epic event I ever spoke at, um, until I just got to speak in front of president George W and Laura Bush. Shut the front door. (laughs) I know it was amazing at the Ronald Reagan library on Saturday night. And it was, crazy. That is so cool. There's something to be said. I mean, just the power of the room. And he, he said something that I, I think all of the listeners and I, I'm still hearing it, the Rob Riggles, who did the interview, um, said to president, uh, George W. Bush, he said, you don't say much about the presidents, past presidents that are now in the office. And he said, um, yeah, because the presidency is much greater than any one president. Wow. That's so true. And, yeah. how, and how classy of a response. <laughs> but it's true. It's like that office is so powerful. It, it's so it's so much greater than any one president. And I think that we need to remember that as leaders, that when God has called us, he's going to see us through it to completion. Yeah. And that sometimes our company is bigger than any one CEO or any one board member or any one employee. It's like the the vision of what you're doing, if it is making deposits in heaven, if it's something that you know is making those kind of deposits, like, like you were talking about being a life-giving leader, um, that means what we put into others is the only thing we can take with us. So that will stand the test of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Shalene, as always, you are an absolute delight. I have so much talking to you from the moment we spoke on the phone for the first time, which was almost, I don't know, two years ago. Um, Just an instant connection. And I'm so appreciative once again of our ongoing connection. And thank you so much for joining us today on the Slapcast. Thank you, Shannon. And thank you, Jonathan. (laughs) You're like the unspoken hero here. (laughs) 